This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined by Derek Terry. Derek, how are you doing? Doing well, Sean. Looking forward to talking a little, uh, probably a little UK football today. It's been a little bit since we've talked in the UK football, but also um, maybe a little bit, of, a little bit of basketball talk. Just transfer portal stuff. Not a whole lot going on as of the time that we're recording this today. But uh, looking forward to chatting with you again and and getting our episode back out there. Yeah, the transfer portal just continues to uh, to add people to it. Uh, Kentucky football still going through spring practice. Today was uh, the defensive team's day to discuss everything. So Brad White, Josh Paschal. Uh, before we get into that, this episode is powered by Blue Wire Pods, and it's also powered by the Butcher's Pub with two locations, one in Palmville, one in Williamsburg, Kentucky, and then a third location will be opening next month, April 15th. You can visit thebutcherspub.com or check out all three of those Facebook pages for more information. Uh, Derek, they're actually still trying to hire staff and stuff for the new location in London. So if you're interested in that, you can find all that information on thebutcherspub.com or on Facebook. Uh, but Derek, today was the day for the defense, defense to talk, but it ended up turning to Wandale Robinson quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, Wandell's had a way of doing that so far this spring. Obviously, whenever he committed back in January, I mean, it was a huge day, no question. But also, you know, this is a guy who, given his high school recruitment, just, you know, you might not find a bigger transfer for Kentucky, you know, <laughs> for a long time than that. But, no, today's quote was courtesy of Josh Paschal. Uh, of course, Josh is a defensive captain, a senior, been around a long time, seen a lot of good football players, but, his quote today, uh, which I don't have the whole thing pulled up, but he uh, said, excuse my language, uh, but Wondell Robinson made a hell of a play today. So I appreciate the purity of uh, Josh Paschal. But he said he went up in double coverage, Wondell did, came down with the ball on a post route. Um, you know, thought he could be an all-SEC caliber player, Sean. Uh, something I think that we all probably think Wondell has the potential to be. Yeah. Yeah, I'm uh, definitely excited about Wondell Robinson. And I think he's going to do things, Derek, that probably haven't seen. I mean, a weapon like that, you know, at Kentucky under Mark Stoops and everything. I mean, we, we made a – I mean, obviously everyone made a big deal about it when he returned home for a reason. I mean, the kid is just super talented. Uh, I'm sure Kentucky fans are just fired up to see him on the field in this new offense with Liam Cohen. And before we move into some more on the defense and stuff, let's talk about this a little bit. Mark Stoops had an interview with BBN Tonight uh, that released, I think I saw it today for the first time. I'm not sure if it was out there. It might have been after practice today. 
but he was talking about how well the offense is doing pushing the ball down the field. And now I know I kind of want to see it for myself before I get too fired up about it because we've we've heard this before, but it certainly sounds like things are going well the first couple of weeks. Yeah, it really does. I mean, it seems like genuine excitement from uh, from Mark Stoops that the quarterbacks are doing well. You know, one of the guys, uh, I don't think it was in the BBN Tonight interview. Matter of fact, I don't think that's even released yet. It was just a tease for it. But he was on the radio this morning with Matt Jones of Kentucky, the whole crew, I guess, over at Kentucky Sports Radio. Uh, I followed along with this interview on Twitter. I've not listened to the whole thing yet because uh, it was right after he had interviews this morning. But uh, obviously Wanda Robinson was getting the praise, but Josh Ali, uh, you know, a fifth-year guy, decided to come back. We're talking about a player who, outside of Keaton Upshaw, was, dare I say, the only target <laughs> of Kentucky's passing game last year. I mean, far and away, I think he had 54 receptions. And the next closest guy, I want to say had 16, something like that. I mean, it was – and a lot of that was jet sweep, things like that. But – uh that's someone, Sean, that I think, you know, Wondell is getting a lot of the attention, and Josh Ali even said this the first practice, that he found himself in some situations out there during practice that he got open because the defense was so focused on Wondell. And I think when you're talking about Josh Ali, you're talking about a really motivated kid who didn't redshirt, so he was someone that really, the fifth year made a lot of sense for him to come back, and but he was not happy. Last year, despite all the targets, I mean, the offense was not very good. He wanted to play in a different system. I, for one, believe he would have had numerous Power 5 options had he chosen to go that route with the transfer portal. Um, but once he saw the hire of Liam Cohen, he was really excited. And I think that gives Kentucky, I mean, two slot receivers that that can do a lot of damage. Um, I, you could say for Josh, and I mean, Wondell's going to help everybody, no question. But for Josh Ali, someone in the past who I've said – you probably agree, like, on a typical team, he might not be your number one option, but that doesn't mean he's not a really a really good option. I think he is. And I think having him now uh, paired with Wondell, that, that's going to do well, – and then, you know, paired with Chris Rodriguez at running back and Keaton Upshaw at tight end and then Justin Rigg. I mean, there are a lot more options there now. But I think Ali will be one of the biggest beneficiaries of, of Wondell now being with Kentucky. Yeah, like, do we really don't know how good Josh Ali can be yet, right? I mean, we've not really had a chance to to see what he can do. I mean, they've obviously the passing game has not been a focal point in that offense that he's played in. And then, you know, last year, uh, not really having much accuracy at quarterback that could get him the football, he still managed to make some, some good plays. Uh, so I think Stoops is obviously excited about that. I, th- I think one of the things, just looking through notes uh, that I take away from it, uh, Josh Moore, tweeted this out from the interview on KSR talking about how Stoops was saying that at high, from high school coaches that are outside the state of Kentucky, like in the deep south, how they're more receptive when Kentucky walks through the door now to recruit players. That's huge. Uh, I, I, for one, you know, Michigan has been very good recently. Ohio has obviously, since the start of the Mark Stoops era, has been the focal point uh, along with the state of Kentucky. But I am kind of all in on thinking you need to really hit Georgia very hard. Uh, John Summerall and Enmore Stewart, pretty much those are the two guys that focus a lot down there. Maybe you'll have Brad White occasionally. I don't really – I think Brad's kind of all over the place just helping out. But um, they were able to pull Trevin Wallace last year, uh, Devontae Ross real late. But, you know, you just had Jamin Davis do really well. Uh, Yusuf Corker, you talk about a lot of these guys on the defense. Uh 
and offense too. Obviously, Chris Rodriguez, maybe their best offensive guy this year from Georgia. There's a lot of really good football players down there, and you know, they're, not everybody can go to Georgia, and Florida, Auburn, all those schools. I mean, there's a lot of talent left over. And I think Kentucky's done a great job in that state targeting that. And Stoop saying that today, I mean, I think it has to get you excited about 2022, 2023, these future classes where, I mean, think about it, Sean, you got a, you got a whole different group of kids coming up these days that, uh, I mean, man, they might not even remember Joker Phillips at Kentucky, you know, I mean, it's been almost 10 years now. So for a lot of these kids in high school, they're very young. So I think their view of Kentucky football will be much different than, you know, maybe people like us coming up. We'll, we'll never forget him though, will we? <laughs> No, no, we'll, we'll remember. We'll uh, never forget that error. Uh, there was also some some big news today as well as, as Mark Stoops announced that uh, Steve Klinkscale and John Summerall have been elevated to defensive passing game coordinator for Klinkscale and co-defensive coordinator for Summerall. And, and Derek, I think you'll agree with this. The co-defensive coordinator position kind of just solidifies to me that in the near future, whenever Brad Watt moves on at some point, that John Summerall will be the next D coordinator. I think that is certainly Mark Stoops' plan. Um, I think Brad White is an excellent defensive coordinator. I'm not sure what he wants to do next. I think with a good fall, he could be on the radar for some very big schools. His name was in play at Notre Dame. I'm not sure how serious it was. They were – they obviously made a very big splash, Landon Marcus Freeman from Cincinnati, probably the best defensive coordinator on the market. Um, but, you know, go back a couple of years, Brad White was remembered to be Old Dominion and play yeah. for a head coaching job. So I think he probably will be in a, at a point this fall where he could be in play uh, to be a head coach. Or, I mean, shoot, I mean, maybe he's at those NFL ties. Who knows? If he just keeps performing well, what kind of opportunities he might have. But I'll also say this about Summerall. Um, he is someone who – also has been in play, despite never being a defensive coordinator calling the plays. He's been in South Alabama. He was rumored to be in play there to be their head coach. Troy ultimately decided to keep uh, its head coach last year, but Summerall, obviously being from Alabama, uh, coached at Troy with Neil Brown. There seems to be some thought that he could be in play there as a head coach. So, yes, I think if he stays at Kentucky, he will certainly be calling plays uh, very soon, but He's another guy who might have enough opportunities where, I mean, who knows? I, I know he has turned down defensive coordinator jobs in the past. I don't know about yeah. this offseason, but offseason prior. I mean, he's been coveted yet. He has stayed at Kentucky. And, you know, we talked about recruiting earlier. Those are probably the two best – well, besides Vince Merrill, of course. Uh, the way John Summerall and Steve Klinkscale have landed players, I mean, they have been very critical. Think about it. Klinkscale has been here six years now. You don't see that a lot with just position coaches. You don't, and you know that—that's what I was kind of implying with uh, Summerall is how they've, when it comes to promotions and stuff on the defensive side, Derek, they've—they like to keep it in-house. Seems like with uh, with Madhouse, and then you know moving Brad White up to a defensive coordinator position, I think that would be Stoops' plan if it does come down to that. But it's also not a bad thing if you're uh, if your guys on staff are kind of being targeted by other schools for other positions. That means you're doing something right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it will it will be a big hit. I mean, you can't – if you have good assistants, they're not going to stay around forever. And I think Queen Scale is a very good assistant. He's been rumored – both Michigan schools, Michigan and Michigan State, have um, targeted him. I actually heard some talk uh, this past year. I don't know how serious it was, but it was enough to where a writer that would cover one of these schools reached out to me that Georgia was looking at Queen Scale as a possible option for its DB coach. So, he's – you know, he's another guy who knows how much longer he'll be here, but these are all guys who 
uh, one, they deserve those titles that they earned. And two, I think one, well, I mean, Stoops has a good track record of hiring good assistants, but those are guys who have been very, uh, very vital, I would say, to Kentucky's recruiting and just on-field success as well for the well, past few years. Just look across the board in recent years that the members from the staff that have gone on to other positions, you've, I mean, you've got people that have gone on to be head coaches. You've got people who have moved on to the NFL. Uh, that's a big deal to me, especially, I mean, all the all the buzz around Vince Merrill. I mean, they had to fight off, uh, I was at Michigan State, I, I guess. Was it was it Michigan State? Gosh, it, why does it feel like it's been forever? I can't, it seems like that was forever ago like years ago uh but when you're talking about that you know madhouse to the nfl and uh and other things that's really that's a really good sign Derek. when other people are really trying to target guys on your staff i just think that that right there just kind of screams culture to me because you go after a winning culture you go after something that's successful and that right there pretty much tells the tale for me with uk football and their recent surge to a relevant program in the sec yeah no question um, no question. And, and going back to today with Brad White, uh, of course, Pascal is a player. We don't, which I understand with Zoom, we don't really get as much access as you typically would for a spring practice. But the other player on defense who was, I would say, probably talked about the most was Mark Juan McCall. And that's course, a good sign. That is a good sign. He plays a very important position in that 3 4 right there uh, at nose guard, right there on the ball. Uh, you know, speaking of clean scale, that was a guy. Was one of the first big recruits, really, from Michigan. He had McCall and Square, two starters on that defense. Are uh, going to be starters this year. Of course, Square has been for a few years. But you know, McCall's saying he's been behind Quentin Bohanna for three seasons. Bohanna obviously did a great job. Might get drafted either way. He's going to have a chance to play in the NFL. Um, but I wonder, Sean, you think just from what we're hearing, if maybe McCall these last few years knew that hey, I mean, I got you know, big Q in front of me. Uh, I'm going to play, but I'm not going to be counted on as much with him here. But do you think maybe that light turned off for him knowing that, you know, that's that's his spot this year? Yeah. And the coaches are talking about how consistent he's been. I just wonder if for him a lot of that has been just a, a switch in mentality to, to knowing that he's going to be the guy this year. He's going to be counted on. I, I think so. I, I really do. Uh, there's definitely a lot of excitement there. I mean, we're we're talking about positions, Derek, at one point that were considered weaknesses in in past years at Kentucky football. I mean, it was always – when this thing started, you know, it was offensive line, defensive line, where they really needed to get better and stuff up front. Now you got pieces like Marquand McCall that kind of anchor that. And, you know, just talked about Quentin Bohanna. You you move one out and bring another one in. That's what the best programs in the SEC do annually. And you can kind of see Kentucky getting to that point when it comes to roster depth across the board. You, you We're talking about clink scale, too. W- what does Kelvin Joseph in a draft pick do? For him and his resume too, as a coach, just coming off the success that that secondary's had and that and everything. I mean, that's that's a pretty big deal. Well, the first three commitments this class are deep. Oh, uh, well, two two that we know of. Um, little hint that the next Oops. commitment might be a DB as well. Uh, those guys are all DBs. So, I mean, you got and they're all highly rated. Um, of course, the two that we know are committed and Andre Stewart and also Jeremiah Caldwell. Um, there should Derek, be one more pretty soon. Derek knows so, so much news that it just kind of just slips out, and he doesn't even know it's slipping out. <laughs> yeah. So uh, be on the lookout for that someday soon um, with another DB committing to UK, but most likely. Uh, uh, oh, that's where I was going, back to that nose guard. So, you know, we're talking about that depth. You're talking about McCall. I mean, McCall, 
Bohanna was obviously a great player for Kentucky, but if you go by the recruiting rankings, and this is not, you know, the gospel, but McCall was rated higher. He's actually one of the highest rated recruits Kentucky's ever signed. I think he's in the top 15. Well, think about this, Sean. Let's say he, which, you know, he could use that free year of COVID if he wanted to. He was not a guy who redshirted, so he's just this is just his fourth year. But let's say he has a good year, gets a chance to go play pro. All right, well, the two guys backing him up are both four-star guys as well, Justin Rogers being one of the highest-rated kids they've ever signed, and then Josiah Hayes as well, a uh, big pull from Summerall from Mississippi. So that's a pretty good tie-in because that was a Summerall recruit. You know, you had Plink scale on Rogers. When we're talking about those guys today, what they've done, you just see the evidence on the field. And for the future, how important those guys have been in landing them. So that was good news. Um, Pretty big deal too when you can when you can recruit guys who don't even play the position you coach, right? Oh yeah, that's that's a pretty big deal when you can when you can help out and do things like that. And you got to thank McCall too. He he and uh, Rogers are very close. Uh, McCall was at his announcement. Obviously, they're both Michigan kids. Went to the same high school. Have probably known each other for a long time. Um, I got to think he's. Certainly willing to help out, help help the young guys, and keep that keep that line going. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to ask you this because you weren't on the mailbag for last Friday, and I thought one of the the questions that really made me think a lot was this, Derek. Someone asked, I cannot remember who it was, and I don't want to go all the way back through Twitter and DMs, but they asked me, as of right now, who would you have more confidence in going into next year, Kentucky football this fall or Kentucky basketball? I said Kentucky basketball just based off of winning the SEC. We've seen Cal have bad years, come back with a really good year the next year, and have a chance to win the league. I I think it's easier for Cal to possibly put his team in position to win the league than it is for Kentucky to kind of just dethrone Georgia, Florida, or someone like that. That's how I base that answer, but maybe you take that as a different level, different form of confidence. Yeah, I guess confidence in what would be my confidence that they'll – continue this bowl streak that they'll kind of be consistent as they have been like yeah I'm pretty confident UK football will I'd be very surprised if they didn't get to at least seven wins this year um basketball I mean same deal I, maybe it's confidence in just being successful and having a good year uh I think I think they're both gonna have better years um, I'll be political take the PC year out like I think <laughs> one it's not gonna be hard for UK basketball to to uh, obviously improve on its win record. They only won nine games. I, I, I still think the Heat will be much higher on Calipari than Stoops. Like like we talk about, man, Stoops, they just went five and six, and it's like no one's even mad, really, <laughs> because he made changes immediately. And, you know, people are excited. With basketball, I think there's definitely much more of a wait and see. Um, I don't think people are going to be as, as easy on Cal. Just, and, you know, you got to take into account the two programs, Kentucky. Yeah. It's uh, maybe the best college basketball program in the country versus a football team that you know has a lot of things going up against it. Yet I think Mark Stoops has, has uh, I don't know if I want to say overachieved. I mean, he had the one huge year. I mean, to get UK football to 10 wins is a, uh, got a very, very impressive accomplishment. But, you know, the rest of the time it's been – yeah, yeah. Let's see it's if they can get back to that. I mean, every other year it's been it's been solid for Kentucky. You take seven and five. Um, eight wins, I guess, when you count the bowl games in the last few years. And then last year, you know, they finished with the bowl win. But I think this this certainly could be a year. We talked about it last year, too. I mean, full disclosure, we I, I had them winning more than four regular season games last year. I think Same. most people did. At seven and three. <laughs> what I had. So, I mean – I, I think this year, though, I, I feel the same way. I mean, and that should be that way, right, with the program that's been consistent. It should. Like, yeah. There's not going to be a huge drop-off, I don't think. 
they lost some good players last year. There's no question about that. To, uh, to me, anything ahead. below seven wins in a normal year would be a disappointment now at this point. I agree. Yeah. And, 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 not, and I don't think people would be just tickled to death with seven. Like, I, I think that eight is probably the number right now I would set it at. I think that's the point they've moved to as a program. But that's what you want, right? Raising expectations. If you're raising expectations, you're doing something right. And I think, too, all coaches are stubborn to some extent. But Mark Stoops and John Calipari are both stubborn. But what, but what happened, Derek, is this. When it comes down to confidence, Stoops got to a point to where it was so uncomfortable that he had to make a change to better his program. And he decided, you know, to let go of Eddie Grant and then go forward with Liam Cohen because he realized that getting to the next step requires change. Uh, John Calipari, when it comes down to, you know, fan frustration with the one and done, players leaving when they're really not having even good seasons. But what does John Calipari do about it? You know, is he does he keep going with the same mindset, trying to build the same, rosters the exact same way and it, and it not work out again, or does he change – and kind of get to a point to where he has no choice. Because that's what Mark Stoops had. Stoops did not have a choice, in my opinion. I agree. And that's probably the big difference, I would say, is Cal, you can already tell, is probably going to keep getting very good players to come play at Kentucky even after one bad season. I honestly think had Stoops not made a change, you, I don't think Ali would have been back. Wondell Robinson absolutely would not have been here. And I'm not so sure that they would have kept those wide receiver commitments, honestly. Well, you could have got um, to a point to where you could see the program go the other direction. Honestly. Yes. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. That's, That's the thing. This isn't Alabama. You know, this isn't a power program. To where you can just have one season like that and not do and not change. Like if you want to keep moving forward, you've got to show progress. And boy, I, I, that's the thing. Like right when you look at this, they turned a four, a five and six season with with a bowl win against NC State. Fans almost it all probably almost feels like it was an eight to nine win season, given the buzz that is going into to this spring and this off season. You bring in Wondell Robinson, you bring in other additions, you. You start to feel good about what they with options they have at quarterback. Uh, the defense is you see a lot of potential there with some veterans coming back. Once again, you win the off season. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcast. That's a good transition point here, Derek, because uh, there is some news. When it comes to the basketball side of things, this transfer portal, Derek, it just keeps adding names to it. And I'm... I don't want to throw out a number, but it, it, would it be surprising if we're looking up 1,400, 1,500 names in this thing here in maybe three <laughs> or four weeks? Because that seems to be the the way it's moving, right? Yeah. 
Oh, excuse me. Got my second dose yesterday. I'll throw that out there. Find a little, <laughs> find a little symptom since then. But um, no, you're right. Uh, I think it's over. It's probably nearly 800 now. So it's gonna go over a thousand, I guess. Well, probably over a thousand. Uh, so you know, a lot of those kids. It's kind of crazy though, right? You have that many kids in the portal. Maybe only a handful are gonna be the UK. Probably really uh, moves all in on. But today the news came out. Uh, Xavier Pinson, that's his name, right, from Missouri. I think that's his yeah, name. Yeah, that's his name, yeah. For some reason, I want to say Theo. Did he play at North Carolina? Theo Pinson played Theo at North Carolina, Pinson. yeah. That's what I think of when I hear Pinson. Uh, interesting thing there, I guess, Sean, is one, uh, we can talk about his fit. I don't, I'll don't. i be honest, I don't know a ton about his game, uh, even though he played in the conference, but that kind of brings up the other point. It seems like some people believe, and I don't know this to be true, but it does seem like the Justin Powell recruitment may be slightly on hold perhaps because it's not really sure if the – eligibility rule will go through or for, for intercom for, you know, SEC school to SEC school. Uh, and Pinson might be a graduate transfer, but I don't think that matters. Does it? I believe it's still the same deal, even if it is a graduate. Uh, it transfer. is. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, either way though, what do you, I guess, what do you make of that? It was reported. Uh, I want to, was it his AAU coach that reported that? I think. I think it was uh, Mac McGurt. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's who reported it. Uh. I think it tells me that the the interconference rule is going away at some point. I mean, for Kentucky to be involved with Justin Powell and obviously involved now with Pinson reaching out to him, it tells me that someone on staff or Cal believes that that rule is going to be kind of just old news here pretty soon. I think about, well, I'm on this profile now, and yesterday Auburn offered him. So there you go with the SEC stuff. And it's a point. Auburn's offering kids, then maybe that means, you know, they're – won't have much of a problem with Pal going, right? If you're yeah. offering other SEC kids, and it's and it's a starting point guard that yeah, played yeah. in the SEC. I, I know though, as as Missouri's season went from they're really really good, you know they they beat Illinois there early in the year, and then their season kind of unraveled late. I know his play went the other direction as well. If I'm not mistaken, I think his points per game dropped maybe four points uh, from the first half of the season to the second half of the season. Uh, playing about the same amount. I mean, not a huge drop-off, but enough to where you kind of look and see that it's, I guess, noticeable and pay attention to it. Yeah, he, I'm on Ken Palm. It says he was their go-to player this year. So he was the most used guy on the roster. Um, 30.7% usage rate is what I saw earlier. So, you know, this is a good player, it looks like, for sure. Um, 33% three-point shooter, 42% shooter. Um from two, good free throw shooter, not pretty good, 83%. Uh, I think he'll take that. And, uh, yeah, without having I mean, I'm just looking at his numbers, like I said. He, he is not someone that I remember that well, I guess, when UK played them this year. I was doing a lot. I mean, he could have had a hell of a game for, for all I know. Uh, do you remember if he did? I don't. I don't because I think I paid so much attention to guys not having a hell of a game when it came yeah. to Kentucky. That was like the last player 35-minute. Right, like I feel like he played yeah. a ton of games. So, uh, no, it's just another option, though. And if you think about, at least reportedly, who they have reached out to now, um, besides, I guess Marcus Carr, was that ever reported? I think it was just assumed. I don't know if that was ever actually reported, though. Yeah. Matter of fact, I don't know that Carr's at any school uh, publicly because he's. It sounds like he really wants to go the NBA route if he can. By the way, Benson had 14 points, four assists. 5 of 14 shooting, 2 of 3 from 3 against Kentucky in 31 minutes. 
Yeah, so nothing crazy. I mean, no. He's he's listed as the number seven transfer uh, by Eric Bossy, on or is it Bossy or Bossy? Let's say Bossy. Okay. Although I really uh, don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, if we ever have him on the show, we'll probably need to get it figured out. But I worked with Eric for I, don't, I mean we don't talk much, but uh, or really at all anymore. But I worked with him at Rivals, didn't know his name, and now he's at twenty four seven, and I still don't really know. <laughs> we'll call him Eric, I guess. <laughs> Easier to know, but uh, no. I mean, what do you what do you make of that, Sean? I mean, do you just see that as UK? Just to me, it just feels. I don't. I don't think UK is going to pursue this that heavy. Just to be honest, um, but I don't know that for sure. That's just my gut opinion. Is that well? I think there might be more players go in that might be a little bit better. We're we're going to have a mailbag question tomorrow that it's going to be asked. How would we fill out this roster? Which pieces would we put on it? So I want to save that for mailbag. But I don't think Pinson's Pinson's one of the guys that I would kind of prioritize if I was putting someone on my roster. Uh, there's other guys out there. I, I'll just go ahead and tell you, when it comes to who I would have at the top of my roster, I would have Greg. Like, that's yeah. that's number one right now. Like, I, I would go, how crazy is it too, Derek, that we're sitting there in Boise, Idaho a few years ago, had no clue that this kid would possibly even be linked to Kentucky at some point. Yeah. <laughs> Kentucky was playing Davidson. You just you just really never know how things are going to turn in a year or two. No, you you don't. I mean, I, I actually remember writing about Kellen Grady because even as a freshman, he was basically their best player out there, and he uh, did fine against Kentucky from what I remember. I'm going to this list now. The Athletic also updated their list with some transfers and trying to spot where Pinson is on their list. Now, that was that was seven on his list. I don't know how long ago that was. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, th- that list from Eric was probably strictly transfers, whereas the athletic list also includes the top high school players okay. left. So, so, Benson's probably about in the same spot would be. Um, so, I mean, this is I – don't, I don't know. I don't want to – Grady had 16 points against Kentucky in the NCAA tournament that year, by the way, as a freshman. 16. Yeah. He didn't shoot it well. He was 4-14, but he had 16 points, four rebounds, two assists as a freshman. UK didn't shoot it well either at the end of the three-point streak, right? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> that night. Uh, maybe, I, maybe I was downplaying Pinson. I mean, you go off what Sam Vecini says. He, he says he has real upside to become an elite college player, and NBA teams were interested earlier this year. Like you said, he kind of slumped a little bit towards the end. So maybe I didn't give him enough credit, but still, I just I don't I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll see. I mean, if they reached out, I mean, obviously there's some level of interest, but that could also be a situation where, obviously, Kentucky's coaches are familiar from scouting Missouri, playing them over the last few years that he's been there. Um, but on the surface, I guess is how I should phrase it, on the surface, it didn't strike me as – like Kellen Grady, when I heard he went in the portal, I was like, all right, this is probably the kind of kid UK should look at. Justin Powell, same way. Pinson, I didn't think that, but that could also just be me, uh, me not really, you know. Maybe well, I was downplaying this kid. When you're, when you're talking about Grady, and I've, I've only gone off the last two seasons, you're talking about a guy who scored 20-plus points 20 times. Yeah. Yeah, you, you don't just find that everywhere. Uh, that's why I think that I prioritize him. Uh, I keep talking about fit and everything. You go back to his sophomore season, and I see a game of 31, 23, 25, 21, 28, 29, 21, 20, 25, 25, and 30. You you just don't find that. And I, I mean, yeah, that – and I think that, like, is he going to average 30 at UK? No. Is he going to average 25 at UK? Probably not. But it translates. I mean, it transfers and stuff. You can look and uh, if he scored there, he's certainly going to be able to help Kentucky in that department 
if he's at Kentucky, if that's in, if that ends up where he decides to go. Yeah, he's a can't miss. Uh, he's a can't miss high level player. And actually, I was just thinking about this, Sean. We didn't talk about this, and this is not to. Because obviously, we saw Davion Mintz have a really good year, but I, I'm not changing my mind as we go on, like during the episode. Hopefully, people are still with us and they didn't laugh it off when I was talking about Pinson. Where where would Mintz have fit in last year on a transfer list like this? I mean, he hadn't even played the season, so you got to assume he's going to be pretty low. I just kind of wonder, you know, with all the impact Mintz had, not every player is the same, but he had a positive impact on Kentucky, and he probably wouldn't have been. You know, he might have barely been in the top 25 last year. Yeah, I don't even remember where he was. Um, yeah, like that's the thing. Uh, I, I just value collegiate experience. Yeah, I yeah. value it, whether it's at Rhode Island where Jacob Toppin was, or it was at Missouri. I, I value it. So I don't want to discredit anything about Pinson. If Pinson comes to Kentucky, I'm sure uh, Kentucky would definitely, it would be a better option than some pieces they had this year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but when it comes down to it, I, I think I kind of just, I'm, I've targeted a couple of different things in my mind that I'd like to see Cal do. I still don't know. I, I have no idea what to make of the Justin Powell situation. I really don't. Because it for a few weeks ago, Derek, it kind of seemed like if Kentucky wanted to pull the trigger that it would be a done deal. Uh, I don't know if there was just some delay there or if it's just is Kentucky kind of just waiting around to see what happens. Uh, but certainly it didn't seem there at one point. It seemed like it was moving quickly, and now it's not. Yeah, I'm just thinking on UK's end. I am a little surprised. Um, but we still haven't heard anything from Davion Mintz just because, you know, he's not – I can understand it a little bit with Keon just because he probably does have some NBA aspirations. So they're probably at least considering that. Davion I'm sure does too. I just don't think it's really a, a realistic option for him, but perhaps he's weighing his overseas option uh, options or, or G League, whatever it may be that he's looking at. Um, but, yeah, to be honest, I'm a little surprised we haven't heard one way or the other from him, which it's still just March 25th. I mean, there's no rush for anyone, but it just feels I don't know. Until they've not played for two weeks, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, normally, yeah, normally they would just be going to the Sweet 16. I mean, uh, these decisions would be being made a month from now. Yeah, have this yeah. not happened? So there's there's a lot to still unpack with this, and I, I know that that's why we may be waiting on some transfers. To, that's what I makes I, me wonder. Do, do you? I, get, yeah. Do these coaches, to me, look, people talk. Like, there's a lot of stuff out there. Like, some of these names that have gone in the portal and stuff, Derek, we, we've known about it kind of a, a bit before it even happens. Like, there's there's buzz around certain names in the portal. And you hear that. You know if we hear it, coaches hear it. So <laughs> is it one of those things where is there someone still playing that maybe we've not identified? Is there – a couple of pieces still out there that obviously the NBA draft is going to play a part in this too. Does someone declare for the draft and then re- return to school and then decide to transfer? There, there's a lot of things that go into this that I just kind of sit back and look and it's kind of Kentucky just kind of sitting there being patient and looking at what all the options are. And like I said, I think it was last week or maybe this week. I can't remember. We've, we've recorded so much and talk. We've talked about this so much, but I don't think you want to get too far ahead of yourself if there's other options out there. That's like if Matt Harms would have chosen Kentucky last year. Now, I know Olivier Saar didn't set the world on fire, but when it comes to fit, I did think Olivier Saar was the better of the two. I agree. So I guess that's what I was thinking. And um, 
but you also don't want to strike out to the point that all your dudes start going elsewhere, and then here you are kind of just yep. left at the altar. Well, I guess that's my question to you is is Mintz – is the ball in Mintz's court or is it in Kentucky's court on what he's going to do? Is that a fair question to ask? I mean, I think it probably is. Like, I, I, think, he, I think he should be welcome back, but like we're saying, there's so many scenarios that are possible. Maybe, maybe for his sake too, maybe like they're saying, hey, you can come back to Avion, but I'm not going to promise you that it's not going to be a little bit different next year with some of these guys we're bringing in. I just, I just don't know. Like, I'm perhaps making, that would explain why we've not heard a whole lot on him. I'm, I'm making priority number one, honestly. That, that's like, where I stand too. Like, I, and, I think no matter the situation, you should, you should try to push him to come back. Yeah, to. I, that's 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 how I would see it. I, I make it priority number one. Uh, obviously, when we're we're not talking about the transfer portal. I mean, obviously, I'm talking about Grady and everything. When I was saying that a minute ago, but just when it comes down to who you want on your roster, when talking about collegiate experience, uh, there's value too in experience can, that's called Kentucky experience. And Mintz really thrived in that this year on a team that wasn't very good. I love to see what he could do on a team that has some pieces around him, uh, has a front court that that's even better and stuff. I expect the front court to be very good next year with Oscar. I think Damian Collins is going to be good. Are you uh, totally out on Davion being the point guard next year? Do you think he can handle it? I, I'm. I don't want to see him be the lead guard. Okay. I would like to see him be a guy who could fill in. I'm still kind of all in on Nolan Hickman. The more that I kind of watch his tape, but I'd feel better about Nolan Hickman if Davion Mintz is kind of there to lean on and be the lead guard if they need him to be at the point. I, I'm, I'm just going on. Listen, I know Devin Askew's on the roster. I'm not picking on Devin Askew, and I know people. Some people are all the time have asked me in DMs like, "Why are you so dead set on his role being changed?" I don't see any situation next year where Devin Askew needs to be the lead point guard on this roster. I just no. don't see it. If 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 he is, I'm going to have my concerns about Kentucky offensively again in the backcourt. Yeah, I, I am too. I mean, I, do I think Devin will get better? Yeah. Yes. I, I think all these guys will get better. And I think Devin could have a big year in a different role. I think he really could carve out a different role and then maybe by his junior year be ready to kind of be the lead guard at point. But – I just don't think you go in – you can't go into next year with the same situation, though, with Mintz and, and Askew as your backcourt. You need other pieces there. But Nolan Hickman, obviously – I don't know if you watched the new highlight tape that went out, Derek. He, he really stands out to me with how smooth he is. Like, he plays with a very solid pace that I really like. I guess where I get hung up on the numbers is I'm just – like, if Mintz is coming back and Askew already said he, he's going to come back or his dad did anyway and Hickman's here – I can you I just don't someone's gonna be left out if you had another point guard. Like someone's not gonna play. Yeah. Out of that I mean and Mintz can slide over, he showed that this year. I think Mintz is pretty much a lock to play if he comes back. Uh I don't know. I just think we there's still a lot to be figured out. And that's why it's kinda hard to talk about, I guess, just because it how is. we think things might go. I mean, it might be totally different. So, well, by the time uh, we hit publisher, Davion Mintz might make a decision. That's kind of the way it goes, right? <laughs> yeah. Like we might wrap this thing up and Davion Mintz be long gone, or he might be returning to Kentucky. It just – it seems it seems like he could be the piece that kind of sways one or the other, if that makes sense. It, it really feels like his decision could influence how many guys Kentucky gets from the portal or if they just take one or one guy at that position from the portal. I, I don't know because it's obviously going to be a log jam, right? Nolan Hickman, Devin yeah, Askew, and if Davion Mintz comes back, 
I mean, there's there's a log jam there at point guard, and I, I'm with you. There's there's no way that three are playing, and I just think that given Hickman Hickman coming in as a freshman, obviously with the fan base, I think Hickman would have kind of the the room to kind of work into something because after the season Kentucky had this year, anyone that's a new face to me, Kentucky fans are going to get excited about because those guys haven't been attached to a nine and sixteen team. So I know you've only watched highlights of Hickman, but just from what you've seen, is there anyone you would compare him to? Maybe not necessarily from Kentucky, but just as a either a college, I guess as a college basketball player. Mm. He he reminds me some. I don't want to say Shea because obviously he's not as long as Shea, but when it comes to playing with the pace with the ball, he reminds me of Shea a lot. And may, maybe you would see it too if I if I send you the highlight tape that I saw last night. He seems like a very crafty finisher, uh, maybe quicker than he looks at first glance. But I, I just like the the ability at that position to play with the pace. Like Shea Gilgis Alexander didn't like he wasn't like lightning quick or anything like that. He didn't just like blow by you, cram on you, things like that. He played with such a pace and was so smooth doing it that it was beautiful to watch, if that makes sense. Like, how many times now do you see his highlights in the NBA where you just go, wow, and it's not anything other than just being smooth with Euro steps and and things like that, being a crafty scorer inside four or five feet. Uh, That's what I kind of see with Hickman, but with the ability to also shoot the ball too. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, You know, it's – I like a point guard like that, honestly. Uh, I mean, they're – you get very talented point guards in every way. I mean, you have the John Walls of the world who, and the Aaron Fox who just pure athletic ability is just so incredible. Their speed is incredible that most guys just can't keep up with them. Uh, but I, I thought Shea was, was – from where he started the season, I mean, this is a guy who didn't start Yeah, and, and, uh, until about conference play. And, then and I'm not saying he's going to be Shea. I'm just yeah. saying, like, he just reminds me – the thing that made Shea so so good is you couldn't speed him up. I thought no matter what you did to him, he played at his own pace. The best guards play at their own pace. They dictate the pace. I think that is what I see in Nolan Hickman. Uh, I've also seen it in other Kentucky guards in the past, and I'm kind of excited to see what he does uh, at Kentucky. I I think that them identifying him early, Derek, and keeping it under wraps, which was probably a little bit easier to do when COVID kind of struck (laughs) in March, but we know that they also evaluated him long before COVID was a thing. And I think that that kind of tells us that maybe there was a reason why they didn't want it out there that Kentucky was going to be the school or that Kentucky was even involved with him because once Kentucky gets involved and he's not committed, we also know what that does for recruitment. It heats up. The same way when Duke gets involved with a kid or Kansas gets involved with a kid. All eyes go to that kid because that's an elite offer. And I just think that they valued that for a reason. Look, they didn't get Paolo Carroll, but they found Nolan Hickman. And if Nolan Hickman ends up being the dude, it, it works out. I agree. Um, I agree with that. I, I, I enjoy talking about the speculation. It's a good way to pass the time this time of year. But I would be lying if I said I was not excited to have a better idea. Because <laughs> right now I've thought of so many scenarios. I think my head's just kind of spinning like, I don't know. I don't know how this is going to play out. It's uh, And we might not know for another month. I mean, who knows? Uh, I did, I guess, find it not maybe not interesting, but you had – was it last week, today, that Jackson went pro? 
So basically you had Jackson, Boston, and Clark all do their announcements in a three-day window. Yeah. So I'm wondering whenever this thing does get rolling, if it will move quickly. That would be my hope. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, other than Keon and Mintz, what decisions are there? We just assume Toppin's back, right? Uh, Yeah, I do for sure. So what other decisions are there? You know, Lance Ware's already said he's coming back. So it's it's Keon and Ke- like I said yesterday, Keon could literally say nothing and just be on Kentucky's roster here in a month or two. Like there is no decision really that he doesn't have to say anything. Like he could just be like, "I'm coming back for a junior year." Uh, well, but he did make an announcement last year, though. After, he did, you know, averaging three points per game. So I thought I would expect he would this year as well. Whenever he does decide or just tweet something out saying he'll be back, uh, or whatever he might decide to do, I don't know. Yeah, but. Uh, yeah, and, and then obviously Mintz does have a decision to make, and uh, yes. we'll see what happens with that. But, Derek, it's another day of speculation on Kentucky. Day. We didn't want to speculate too hard, but there's so many scenarios out there right now. Uh, who knows what name we'll be talking about tomorrow on a mailbag episode. Like, does Kentucky get involved with someone else? Does someone else enter the transfer portal? We don't know, but we do know one thing. This is the place to stay up to date on everything. Get us mailbag questions for Friday's episode. You can submit those via DM to me. Submit them to Derek. Uh, my Twitter handle is at GBB Country. Derek is at Derek S. Terry. You can also email those to us at Kentucky, Kentucky Daily at gmail.com, or you can tweet them at us, and I will get a tweet up later tonight for you to reply to. But this has been another episode of Kentucky Daily. We'll catch you next time. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.